Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. So let's go to Romans 8, and let's just before we do communion, let's consider these marvelous words in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Notice that question, first of all. He doesn't say who's against us. He says, if God is for us. And that is the absolute, that's the brilliance of this. If God is for us, then what does it matter who's against us? You know, it, it, that, that is just so important to grasp. Because a lot can be against us. Because the Christian life is not an easy life. The devil, hell, the powers of this world, our own sin. We need to take Ephesians 6 verse 12 really seriously. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our enemy's not Dan Andrews or Xi Jinping or Donald Trump or whoever you want to pick. I, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but at best they're just tools. Our battle is a spiritual battle. And believe you me, be careful when you pray for revival and renewal. Because God, when he sends it, the devil will let all hell break loose. I was a, when I was a teenager, when I was converted, I was in a small prayer group. And uh, the, we prayed. We were going to have a, um, a guy called Louis Palau was coming to the highlands of Scotland. And we decided that we would take a bus, just a group of teenagers from the school. Well, I actually asked a church minister if we could go on his bus, and he said, no, get your own. Um, it seemed a bit harsh to me, but it turned out to be a brilliant move on his part because we hired our own bus, just school pupils. And uh, I remember us praying, just a handful of us, Lord, we don't care what you do over this next month, but whatever you do, fill this bus and may people come to know you. And a teacher who was there said afterwards, that, that's a very brave prayer. In a way, I kind of hope God doesn't answer it. In another way, I'd love to see the answer. Well, the next month, we had a horrendous time. I mean, you wouldn't believe it. Like, um, for example, two of us fighting over whether animals went to heaven in the midst of a prayer meeting. You know, like yelling at each other. You know, you think, where did that come from? And so much stuff, so much personal stuff came to the surface. So much bitterness, so much anger, so, so much stuff came in. So many attacks from outside, but from, from inside. And we got on the bus, and there was only two of us made it to the bus. I mean, the, the actual bus was packed with non-Christians, but two of us from that group were the, were the only two that made it. People were ill. There was other things that happened. One girl completely backslid. And, uh, and as I sat on the bus, I just thought, God's answered our prayer. And at that crusade the Louis Palau thing, the whole bus went forward. In fact, so many that one of the Louis Palau people came up to me and said, look, would you mind becoming a, a, an immediate counselor? I said, I've just become a Christian. They said, never mind. It's all your lot that are, <laughs> it's all your lot that are going forward. So that's how I started my career in ministry. You know, but, but God does answer prayer. But this is for real. And who can be against us? A lot. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff come from me. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? And then think of this when you read the news. Isaiah 40. When you're thinking of Ukraine and Russia and, and China and Sudan and everything. Isaiah 40. The nations are as a drop in the bucket. And are counted as small dust in the balance. To God this is nothing. And to us it's the big thing. But to God it is nothing. Now Israel may say, I'm sorry, I'm quoting from Psalm 124. When you sing things, you remember them, which is why it's so important what you sing, by the way. And Psalm 124, now Israel may say, and that truly, if that the Lord had not been on our side. But the Lord is on our side. The next question he asks, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously, along with him, give us all things? Can I lose God's love? The question is not whether God will graciously give you all things. The question is, well, how will I put it this way? For those of you who are certain vintage, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Um, you know, it's kind of like you, you think, ah, I'm, I'm, it's the Beatles, by the way, for those of you who are not sophisticated. Uh, but, uh, and if any young person said, who are the Beatles? You're in so much trouble. Uh, but... And, and your pastor's in so much trouble because he obviously hasn't educated you. In the... But Paul McCartney's lyrics for that song are sometimes what people fear. When you get married, it's for life. You, you, you promise to care for and look after each other. And what Paul does here is something quite remarkable. He argues from the greater to the lesser. The greater is the cross. He said, if God gave you his son, how will he not also along with him graciously give you all things? That is such an important thing. He has given us his son in that way. There are people who deny the atonement. And I just don't get it because it's the greatest comfort for the Christian. They think they're magnifying the love of God. Was it um, Rob Bell who had a thing called Love Wins? And I thought, my goodness, that's using the same language of our culture, which so demeans love. The United Nations is putting out stuff just now. Love wins, love wins, love wins. Yeah, but what do you mean by love and what are you talking about? They're talking about sexuality stuff. We've reduced love to sex. Of course love wins. But the definition that we have of love from God is far, far deeper. I actually got banned from a school. Would you believe it? Actually, a Christian school, big Christian school. I got, I got banned for it for a while. Because I was speaking, it was about, I did three lots of 400 boys each. And uh, I said to them, guys, and you know, when, you, when you've got these compulsory chaplaincies at school, basically my rule is, you've got a third who are really hostile to you. They're sitting there with the arms folded, you know, like these guys here. You know, they're, <laughs> go on, go on, entertain us, keep us awake, you know, come on. Uh, we might even take the beanie off, you know, <laughs> there's no... <laughs> and you've got a third who I couldn't care less they're indifferent and you've got a third who really want to be there so I always go for the third who are hostile so I went for the third who are hostile and I said you guys I said you've got to, you've got to think. I mean it was a really posh school so they don't answer back so I said you've got to think about this love is love I said let's think about how language works love is love what does that mean I said, and if, if I ask you what love is and you go love is love, you fail. You fail in English, you fail in history, you fail in philosophy, you fail in logic. You basically fail in every. Love is love is a completely meaningless phrase. 
Which, you know, without any content, what is love? And I said, the, the great thing about the Christian gospel is, and I actually think this is the case, we need to tell our society what love is, and it's going to take us a long time to do it, because our society is so deconstructed in terms of language and emotion and everything, they can't grasp what love is. People go, love is love, as though it's obvious, but they don't know. But we do know. And we can tell them. And, and in fact, I think love for us, a lot of what we hopefully we practice love amongst ourselves and show to outsiders and so on. But the reality is the great teaching we have to get over is what love actually is. And it's so funny at that school, uh, a teacher was really mad. So she started a petition to get me banned. So uh, if you want to start a petition to get me banned, just tell your pastor. But And that... The chaplain phoned me up and said, this is going on. And I said, yeah. I said, he said, but watch out. You've got a Q&A on Friday. She's going to turn up. So she did turn up. And I, you can tell, you know, it's the body language. It's the, like that, you know, it's just, it, that happens in church occasionally. I'm sure it doesn't happen to you. Uh, you know, it's, um, you can tell a lot by body language. You know, people are sitting knitting. They suddenly stop and start staring at you. You think, oh, <laughs> Or people fall asleep. It's a fairly obvious one as well. Uh, that's another one. But she was like the body language. I was like, right, any questions? Straight away, she went for it. You know, and there's about 100 boys there. And she said, you know, how, how dare you say this about, you know, love is love being meaningless. And how dare you attack the LGBT community. And just, she ranted on for a bit. And I said, whoa, whoa, lady, calm down. Now, you shouldn't do that if you want to calm someone down. <laughs> uh, especially when you use a sexist comment like I did. And... Uh, I said, listen, I didn't mention homosexuality. But the fact that you're speaking code is very clear. And I said, we're not, we're not talking about that. I didn't mention homosexuality at all. But if you're talking about marriage, what kind of school is this? She said, it was an Anglican school. What does the Anglican church teach? Oh, it varies. No, it doesn't. Not in the Sydney diocese, it doesn't. What does the Anglican church teach? The Anglican church teaches that marriage that is between a man and a woman and that sex should be within marriage. I said, and this school teaches that. You obviously don't believe it. This school is very gracious in letting you be here. But don't you accuse me of being intolerant. And we, you know, we, she went back and forth a wee bit. And the boys were hilarious. They just, they just thought this was really funny. But sadly, this is how this works. So afterwards, the boys asked loads of questions. Not about anything to do with that. But I said to the chaplain, and the chaplain said, it was, it was brilliant, and it was great, and I'm, I'm glad that you, you took her on. And I said, yeah, but I won't be invited back. And he said, of course you'll be invited back. You're teaching what? I said, no, I won't. The head teacher's a good guy, but he just can't be bothered with the hassle. Because when people start petitioning, and that's how it works, you see, we're being, we're being intimidated. into Now, nothing is going to stop me speaking about the love of God. And nothing is going to let demean it, and I'm not just going to be the person who reacts by kind of shouting out angry slogans. We've got to learn to question. We've got to learn to challenge. And here, I think this is just uh, absolutely marvelous about God graciously giving us all things. Because the cross is the answer. Verse, it's for those who love God. We know that in all things God's works for the good of those who love him. And here's the point. If God's delivered up his son, he's not going to abandon me. How, how would he? That doesn't make any sense. You know, we've got to think about, we, we, we take the cross too much for granted. You want to know if God loves you, well, what do you do? You show your love to someone, you do something for them, you buy something for them. 
Some people think, well, I know that God loves me because I prayed for healing and I'm healed. No, that's not how this works. I was in hospital 12 years ago. Uh, I wasn't expected to live. Uh, My daughter was flown over from Australia. Somebody was very kind and flew her over because I wasn't expected to live and she came to say goodbye to her dad. And uh, anyway, I think miraculously I did recover. So does my surgeon who's a Muslim. He He couldn't explain it. But several months later when I did recover, I was shown a tweet, not a tweet, a Facebook post that my son had sent out. And it kind of exemplifies this attitude of how love does win and how God's love does win. And his Facebook post said this, I've been to see my dad with my sister, picked her up from the airport, probably for the last time. We're praying that my dad gets better, but our prayers have already been answered. Because my dad's greatest problem, his sin, has already been dealt with. If you're a non-Christian reading that, by the way, you must think, what did this guy do? You know, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, what did this guy do? And he said, if my dad gets better, that's an answer to prayer. And then this was the one that got me. If he dies, that's an answer to prayer. And I thought, yeah, you can write that in a theology exam to write that when you've come from what you consider to be the deathbed of your father. And I was just, I was stunned by it. The first time I got to speak after coming out of hospital was up uh, uh, in the north of Scotland at what the British Council thought, so this is where our culture is at, thought was sciences and religion. They had two Muslims and me and three scientists. And one of the scientists had said, I thought it was ridiculous because there are many scientists who are Christians or or Muslims actually, and I I did think it was ridiculous, the whole idea, but... um, This scientist said, well, I don't believe in God because I've never met anyone who's been healed. So I stood up and I screwed up my speech and threw it in the bin and said, well, okay, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it now because I'm going to tell you about someone who has. I said, and it's me. And I explained what had happened to me. And I also told him what my son said. And the scientist stood up and he looked and he said, that, he said, but that's not fair. I said, what do you mean it's not fair? He said, well, if you... If you die, that's an answer to prayer. If you live, that's an answer to prayer. He said, I mean, God wins every time. I said, yep. <laughs> you've, just, you've, you've just summed up Christianity. Now, the poignant thing about that particular meeting was, when I first got ill, there was another Presbyterian minister who'd got very ill. He was expected to live. I was expected to die. I lived. He died. I didn't know this at the time, but afterwards, his widow was there, and she came up to me afterwards, and she said, I am so thankful She said, my husband, it was time for him to go, and it hurts like mad, and I'm thankful that you're still here, but I'm thankful that God's love, nothing, takes away from that. When you know you understand the love of God, is when you're not experiencing great blessings, but that's what you're holding on to. I saw a really bad example of this. I was watching, now, my congregation banned me from doing this because I used to watch a thing called God TV occasionally. And occasionally there was some good stuff on it, but man, there was some rubbish. You know, and there's a lot of rubbish done in the name of Christianity. Anyway, this woman came on, and I can't even remember. She, I just called her the woman with the hair because she had this big hair and she had this southern U.S. accent. And she was talking about a campaign they did in Moscow. And I, I couldn't believe it because they'd had like, to prove that God was powerful, they had 
Christian men who wrestled with one another and chopped up logs with their bare hands. You know, God is powerful, chop. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. Um, if a Satanist does it better, does that mean the devil's more powerful? You know, it's, this is not really great, but I thought, fair enough. But then she told this story. I couldn't believe it. How do you know that God is love? And remember, she's speaking. There were 20,000 Russians there. She's speaking to people who've lost 30 million of their own countrymen in, in recent wars and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and she said, I know that God loves me. Sorry for the accent, but when I was a little bitty girl, I saw this chicken cross the road and I thought, you're kidding me. But you're not telling a chicken crossing the road story <laughs> to show the love of God. And... Maybe this is your favorite story. I'm sorry if it is. Um, I'm driving home now. But, uh, you know, I saw this chicken cross the road. And then a truck came and it hit my chicken. And the chicken went, bah! And she did everything. She did the head thing, bah! like that. And my chicken was dead. And I said, Lord Jesus, if y'all love me, heal my chicken. And my chicken went, and carried crossing the road. And then she went, and I knew that God loves me. Now, come on down if you want to receive Jesus. I'm going, ha, how can you do that? You're going to come and receive Christ because of a resurrected chicken? I just thought, no, you, this, this is madness. This is absolute madness. But we, we, I, I go home, you know, do you pray for safety when you travel? I'll go home just now, my wife will pray and so on. If I have an accident, if a truck hits me, you know, does that mean that God doesn't love her or me? Not at all. We know that God loves us because he gave us his son. I love my son. There's not a chance I'm giving any of you my son. You're lovely people. You're not getting my son. You're not getting my chicken. You're not getting nothing, you know. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's no way is that happening. But for God to give his son for people who were his enemies, that blows everything. It blows everything. I will sing of your love forever. And that's why he says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Um, and that's why he says, it is God who justifies. Who's the ones that condemn? Who can condemn you? If God is your defense, who's, who, who's going to overcome God in attacking you? And sometimes that happens. Sometimes people will say things. Sometimes they'll say really, really hurtful things. And you know, sometimes they may even be right. But, God is your defense. That's what it means to be free. Jesus died. Jesus was raised. Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. I, I've just been thinking a lot recently about the ascension. What's Jesus doing just now? He's at the right hand of God interceding for us. He's ruling and reigning. We may not think that. But I think it is absolutely true. We serve a risen Christ, not a dead Christ. Does that mean, by the way, when he intercedes for us, what does it mean? Does it mean every sin we do, Jesus goes and says, no, please forgive him for that, please forgive him for that. I don't think so. I think, as Hodge puts it, this language is figurative. The meaning is that Christ continues his resurrection and exaltation to secure for his people the benefits of his death. Everything comes from God through him and for his sake. So nothing can be against you. And then look at these just incredible words he says. No one, no one, Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
Those are some pretty heavy things. That's seven things in there. Trouble, hardship, nakedness, danger, persecution, famine, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I love the story of Solzhenitsyn being converted. Because he was in the gulag. And what amazed him, there was, there was two people in particular who amazed him. But there was this elderly Baptist lady. Like, I mean, in her 80s. And like the Russian interrogators, the KGB and others, they would come and they would have a go at her and everything. And she, he heard her saying to them, what are you doing? She said, I, I'm, I don't fear you. She said, I fear God. And you should fear God because you're in big trouble. You know, you touch me, you're touching the apple of his eye. You know, all this. He said, I'm not going to, ch-, you know. And he said, she just said, she really had no fear. And eventually they just said, oh, forget it. Get rid of her. Get her out of the camp. They sent her away. Because they couldn't cope with this frail elderly woman who had such... She said, if you kill me, that's all, that's all you're going to do. You're just going to kill me. But what God is going to do to you is send you into the fire of hell. You know, whoa. I mean, it was... Stalin, by the way, would never have done what he'd done. Neither would Hitler if they'd believed in the judgment to come. But it's because they didn't. They felt they could get away with it. And... I think it is absolutely amazing that we can have this confidence in the midst of all these different things. For I am convinced, so Paul thinks about it by the way, I am convinced, and this list blows my mind, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All you need is love. Love, 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 love. Love is love. Love. We all love one another. We stand for love. We're against hate. By the way, if you want to experience hate, go to uh, uh, an anti-hate rally. You'll really experience hate. You know, we're all for love. And I go, no, no. This love is a love that is so deep, so broad, so high, so wide, that Paul says, I have to pray that you begin to comprehend something of it. I think we use the love of God in the evangelical world just a little bit too blasé, a little bit too cliched. I think the depth of it, we really, really don't get. I will give you um, two examples. I'm sorry, I've just... Just so many stories. And these stories are true, but and I'm sorry that they involve me, but it's just because what I know. And but I think it's extraordinary. And just think of both of them. The first was a Japanese not Japanese, a Chinese student who came to our church. Well, first of all, she came to our house, and we're back to the hospitality thing. Uh, and she had a meal with us. In fact, it was a Christmas meal. And she said she'd never been in a church. And she'd like to go, and she'd never read a Bible, and she'd like to read one because she came from mainland China, and her parents were part of the Communist Party, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So she came, and she started. Uh, she came to a Christianity Explored, and I saw, I think, in the second one, I saw her there, and I just tears were pouring down her face. So I said to my wife, "Can you go and speak to Chan because there's something not right?" So my wife went and spoke to her and said, "Are you are you okay?" She said, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine." But you're crying. Why are you crying? I mean, tears were just pouring. She said, it's Jesus. She said, it's just Jesus. She said, he's so beautiful. And I thought, oh my goodness, when did I last weep tears at the beauty of Christ? I thought she really gets it. And she did really get it. You know, and that's, 
Of course you became a Christian once you see the beauty of Christ. And then the other was I was doing an outreach event in a, in a bookstore. And uh, this uh, was the Dawkins Letters thing, I think. And it was in a secular bookstore. And, you know, I have a coffee shop and all. It's a big, big warehouse type bookstore. And it's great because they gave me a mic. And we took along about 30 people. And then there were about 40 people came specifically who weren't Christians. And uh, the mic, everyone coming in to buy a book in that place was hearing the, the, the gospel, basically, which was, I thought was lovely that they allowed that to happen. And uh, anyway, this woman came in and she bought her cappuccino and her Danish. And then I could see that she looked and looked towards me and realized, oh no, there's one of these God freaks. But this is Scotland. She was Scottish. There's no way she was going to walk out without having paid for it. you know. So she did the thing that I just love, she went and sat as far away from me as possible, right in the corner, with her back to me. And here's the thing, as a preacher, I know this, when people are trying not to listen to you, they can't help but hear you. Sometimes some of you are sitting there and you're trying to look as though you are listening, and I know your minds are everywhere else, but you know, she was determined not to listen. Anyway, by the end, she was at the very front, right down here, and right, I just, I couldn't believe it. And then she said to me, I want to ask, because we were a lot of Q&A, and she said, I want to ask a question. I said, go ahead, this will be the last question. Let's go for it. She said, I came in here. She said, I took my son to see cadets. I said, I couldn't believe it. I just thought, oh, for goodness sake, a religious thing, you know, in a bookshop. I said, I know, it's shocking, isn't it? And she said, at Christmas too, just unbelievable what they'll bring in at Christmas. But she said, uh, I want to ask you one question. And she said, it's real. I said, okay, go for it. She said, how do you know that God loves you? And she said, forget all that rubbish about God loving everybody. I, 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 I want to ask, how do you know that God loves you? And so I quoted Galatians, the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. And I explained about the cross. And what got me was, as I was explaining, she was sitting there and her mouth was like, you know, and, and just wide open. And at the end, she looked at me and she said, I'm not saying I believe that. But if that's true, that's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard. And afterwards, I was speaking to some of the Christians who were there, and I said, you know, guys, she got the cross better than all of us. When were we last wide-eyed at that? Oh, yeah, Jesus loves me. Now give me some practical teaching. Jesus died on the cross. Now give me some real stuff. You're kidding. There's nothing more practical than that. It's very sad. The, The writer of the song, May I Never Lose the Wonder of the Cross, did lose the wonder of the cross, and in effect renounced her faith. But the words of the song are still true. May I never lose the wonder of the cross. Why? Because nothing's able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sometimes that's hard to believe. But you have to take it as an absolute fact because of what God did through Christ. And that's the great message that we have to share with people. That's what we celebrate at communion. So... Let me pray for you. I do apologize that I will be running away and not speak to any of you at the end. It's not because you're horrible and it's not because I'm snobby. I, I think you're absolutely wonderful and I'm down in the gutter with the rest of you. But I, I, uh, I hate driving in the dark, <laughs> so, um, especially with Sydney drivers. I'm sure Victorian drivers are much more considerate. But I have, ne- I have never experienced driving like this anywhere in the world. Just, they're insane. So, um, but let me, let me pray and then we'll go on for the communion. Lord, we ask your blessing upon your people here. Pray that you would help us to see this great love you have for us. 
and that your body was broken for us, your blood was poured out for us, how then will you not also, along with yourself, freely give us all things? We bless you for that. In your name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us. 